sorry about that. We had a, a melt down here. But okay. Sorry about that. It's all good. Okay. Um, so, admittedly, they were listening to we were listening to different things by the time the '80s came, and but still, I just think there might have been things that she would have accomplished. Yeah, you just never know. I was fascinated in this book by the stories behind some of the song. Uh, I think "Merry Christmas, Darling" is a great example of a song that had a pretty fascinating story associated with it. I guess a couple of versions of that out there, and depending on which album you have. Uh, you get one or the other, and one was a single version, and they did a different mix for some other album, and it was quite a, it went through an, an interesting, you know, group of arrangements there over the years, and I'm never sure which one I'm listening to, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Joni has got her hand up, Nolan, when you're ready for her. Go ahead, yep. Uh, let's see if I can. Okay. Can there she, there is. she is. Yep, we can hear you. Go ahead, Joni. Uh, I read, I guess it was the first book, Little Girl Blue, many, many years ago, I think when the book first came out. And I didn't know that there was a second book until you guys told us about it. And unfortunately, I didn't have time to read it. But going back to my memory of Little Girl Blue, I thought that the mother, the controlling, horrible person that wouldn't accept her daughter for who she was, and she was so wonderful. Her mother criticized, criticized, criticized. She wanted her to be perfect, perfect, perfect. And she she didn't seem like a very nice person at all. In fact, she probably, probably killed her daughter because of all that she put her through with the anorexia and, and the whole thing. And I, I always loved the Carpenters, and I did see the... I think it was a TV movie. Maybe it was in the movies themselves, but it was a, a TV movie, and it was so wonderful. And I, I've heard things about Richard and his dedication to keeping them going and the depressions that he went through. And it's just a very, very sad story about people that shouldn't have had to gone through what Karen, Richard, and I guess the whole family went through. So uh, sorry that I didn't read everything I might have, but and I don't have COVID anymore, so that's congratulations. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. We appreciate it. And um, we have somebody, Nolan, uh, to call her in the nine one six area code. So oh, they want to go ahead and talk. Might be Natalie. I don't know who is it. Let's go ahead and unmute. Let's see who they are. Nine one six. Hello, Nolan. Hello, everyone. I yes, thought it would be Natalie. you. I thought good it would be you. Good afternoon. It's so good to hear you. How are you? Doing pretty darn good. Outstanding. Yeah, yes, I uh, did not get the uh, newest one by Richard Carpenter, but I read Little Girl Blue and I watched the TV movie uh, Close to You one, one time. I don't remember what year it but I do remember that. Um, that was really something way Yeah. Yeah, that, oh, we probably should have discussed Little Girl Blue. The more <laughs> we're getting a lot more response on it. That's good. I, yeah. So I have to know, Natalie, because you're you're a musician and to some degree, and you do some singing. Uh, yeah. What was your favorite Karen Carpenter song? If you had to pick from all of them, it's Yesterday Once More. There you go. There you go. Who can argue with that? That's a, that's a great one. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. For me, interestingly right. enough. My absolute favorite is one called Crystal Lullaby, and I 
I want to say it's on a kind of a Hush album, but I could be wrong. I'd have to look that up for sure. The reason for that is really kind of a stupid, silly reason, but it's really precious to me. When my oldest daughters were little, I would make up bedtime stories and tell them uh, night after night after night. And so I should have recorded these and, and published them because they were they might actually have been publication worthy. I don't know that for a fact. The kids claim they were, but you never know. <laughs> um, but the, the song Crystal Lullaby is about a musician dad who would sing at night to his little girl. And he would uh, uh, he would uh, sing a crystal lullaby as she would go to sleep. He would weave her stories in his song. And so I've always treasured that because it reminds me of the early days of parenthood for me when I would actually tell those stories and uh, I can understand how that works. So that's a, that's a good one for me, but I'm sure everyone has their favorite uh, Carpenter song. Um, I, I was interested in the, so as again, some of the behind the scenes stuff, Mr. Gooder, which we've all heard was an album cut, but it was uh, written about uh, an obnoxious guy at a record company, I guess. Uh, I've forgotten the exact details now, but uh, he, uh, Richard wrote it about this guy that was sort of a problem for them. And uh, <laughs> So there's a lot of great stories in this book that go behind the scenes and talk to you about how the song was created and why and and the kind of, you know, the reception that it got when it was released. It was it was a great book. I didn't read the entire thing. I missed the I missed the uh, the last half where we talked about all the discs they made and all the concerts they did and all those the captions. But I think I got in the vast majority of it. And I really I thought this was a good pick. Any other hands no, we up? Have Pam, we have Pam, and then we have Gil. So we'll go with okay. Pam first because her hand is up first. And then Gil, you're up right after Pam. Sounds good. Well, my, I have two different picks. Uh, one of them was the one that was an album cut where he talked about uh, playing the piano. I think it was on the Close to album. You know the one I'm talking about? Which one is it? I, I It's the one where Richard sings by himself. He's the one playing on the piano. Oh, yeah. I, I remember that one. I that love one. that one as well. It's an album cut. And I yes. also like another album cut that was called Crescent Noon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was that was a caring feature. But, you know, what I don't remember, I didn't get super far into the book, but I did read some of it. Um I think didn't she didn't she do all the drumming and the, and the, and played the trumpet on all the, all their music? She did some of the drumming. Hal Blaine did a lot of it. Um, apparently, when they needed someone who could be particularly strong and and was was good at some real creative drum licks, uh, close to you is an example of one that Hal Blaine played on. But yeah, she did a lot uh, some of their drumming. That's for sure because that was her thing. And I don't know about the trumpet part. I guess that's I think that's I true think she too. Did that too. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. So very cool. Uh, all right, thank you for that, Gil. Did you want to chime in real quick? Yeah, you were talking about, um, you know, and I agree. I really like the discussions on some songs, some of the background. And, mm-hmm. and I don't recall them saying that Karen played on trumpet on anything, but she played bass on a couple of songs, it's, which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, that's kind of but, cool. Uh, uh, she that Mr. Gooder or whatever mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I believe that was uh, Richard Boss. Yes, that, thank you. Yes. Uh, yeah, so, that's uh, you're right. That's exactly correct. Thank you for your help with that. It, it was written about him. He was kind of embarrassed about it after he wrote <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, he felt bad about it after he written it. Yeah, right. That's right. interesting. And then in Little Girl Blue, they talked to uh, uh, Karen. Found out that her uh, fiance after her money, and she wanted to call off the wedding like two or three weeks before the wedding. She wanted to call things off, and her mom would let her. 
Thank you for that. Any other hands up? Nope, we're good. All right. Any other final thoughts, questions, perspectives on the book before we wrap this one up? All right. Well, thank you, those of you who read it. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the potential of a book called The Children's Blizzard by Melanie Benjamin. And again, by way of refresh, this is a book about a freak storm that happened in the late 19th century uh, that, that impacted weather across the Upper Plains states. So the Dakotas, Minnesota, part of Nebraska, uh, the, the, that whole region. And it happened during a school day on a day that started out very warm for a January day in that part of the country. The storm freaky blew up and it, it just absolutely erupted and destroyed a whole bunch of lives. They, the school sent these little kids home thinking the storm wouldn't, wouldn't be that bad. And this is a book about uh, two sisters and the different experiences they had as teachers at different schools in different states where that storm had impact. I really enjoyed it when I read it. I will be happy to do a quick reread or a re-glance or skim, whatever, if we decide to take that on two weeks from today. Um, not sure what the consensus is, the group, so we'll toss it out. I guess it's easier to say, is there anybody who really doesn't want to do that, really prefer not to do it? Do you want to do that, or um, we also talked about The Chain, too. Which one? The Chain by Adrian McKinty. Oh, that's right. I'm I'm good that's with either the, one. That's the one where the where the person gets called and they're they're told that someone oh, yeah. has Creepy. their child but to keep their child from being murdered they have to kidnap somebody else's oh, child yes oh i'm happy with either of those choices i could go either way do one in two weeks and the other in four as far as i'm concerned 5 35 p.m anybody I think, have uh, any I, I think joni has a thought okay go ahead well, uh, I had read The Chain quite a while ago, and I thought it was a, a really, really good book. And I had, when when uh, Jenny spoke about it a couple of weeks ago, I, I thought, oh, what a good book for us to read and as a, a buddy book. And uh, I recommend that or the book okay. that Nolan uh, uh, recommended, either one of them. Cause, but I would like us to read Chain at some point because okay. Jenny and I both thought it was so exciting. The National Library Service says your phone rings. A stranger has kidnapped your child. To free them, you must abduct someone else's child. Your child will be released when your victim's parents kidnap another child. If these things don't happen, your child will be killed. You are now part of the chain. So that's the the blurb on that. That's it does sound creepy. <laughs> I like that one, Nolan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now do we do you have the review on the other book that was in consideration just so I will get immediately just so, to it. Just so we're in all No, that's fair. You're Somebody right. can have a good old fashioned vote. Yep. Right. Let me get right to it. I'm popping it up right here as we speak. Yeah, come on. I misspelled the word blizzard, folks. That's where my problem lies. I do that one out of every five times. <laughs> I'm really good at that these days. 
journalism days, degree just doesn't matter. I can't spell anymore. There's days when Here your fingers don't go where you want them to go. Here it is. This is uh, called The Children's Blizzard, a novel by Melanie Benjamin. Um, 1888, sisters Raina and Gerda Olson work as teachers in the Dakota Territory when a surprise blizzard strikes the school as school is letting out for the day. They must decide the fate of their students. Uh, newspaper man Gavin Woodson covers stories for the of the survivors, like uh, servant Annette uh, Pedersen, and it, it, that's that's the blurb on that. It's the, a far worse blurb than the actual book. You you really get to see the human face of these little kids as they are struggling through that snow and some of them freeze to death in the snow. And it's a, it's an amazing thing. So I'm fine. If we want to do the chain, that's. Do we want to cast it to a vote or is there a consensus? We want to be. Yeah. Whatever everybody else wants to do. All right. Let's vote. Are you want to vote? All right. All in favor of the chain say aye. Me. Yes. Me, so one of, there's three. <laughs> there's three chains. All in favor of what's the blizzard? Children's book called? blizzard. Children's blizzard. Say aye. Come on, people. <laughs> if there's anybody <laughs> listening on the phone, raise your hand if you want the children's yeah, this blizzard. This is this is. A, I'll be going know. to a birthday party. I if it excludes Oh. Oh. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So right that now, I think we're going to go if, the chain, the chain and then we can okay. go with the other one next, if you'd All like. Right. Um, so. Uh, we wouldn't do any gallopos or anything scientific here. I I wouldn't bank on that so much. That's real scientific. Yeah, yeah, it is. About as good as they come out. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, uh, totally is. Take your pick. And now we've All got right. Don well, chiming in with uh, from North Hollywood. Go ahead, Don. Okay. Uh, there again, uh, the book uh, club that I'm in here in. Uh, at Braille, we did that. We read the chain a couple of years ago. I uh, can't tell you how it ends, but I would certainly recommend it. Okay. So. Okay. Well, that's going to be the book in two weeks. That's it. The two chain. Weeks. So you got it done. Okay. And we got one more raised hand. Do we not, Perry? Uh, we. I uh, believe it's Joni again. Joni, go ahead. Okay. You never know whether I'm muted or unmuted. Well, you're talking you. now. You're good. Yeah, Joni, you were good. Yep. Oh, she went the other way. And unfortunately, and unfortunately, for those who don't know with Zoom, we can't unmute them. They they have to do that. Uh, all it's alone. a security thing we can now. Do about that. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go on, and okay. if Joni wants to come back, she can, of course. Sure. All right. Um, well, let's here talk. I am. Oh, there you are. You go ahead. Okay, can you give us the book number? Oh, it's, I'm sorry. Okay. The yeah. Braille book is um, BR22789, or if you want it in audio, it's um, DB95738. Thanks, Jennifer. Great. I just love book talk, as you know. Yeah. Well, thank you. We're glad you're here. We appreciate it. We try it. when it's working. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Nolan. Uh, 
Okay. Uh, did you want to do a review first, Jenny, or you want me to start with something? Or you can just go for it. Everybody loves your reviews. No. Ah, well. I'm not sure they will today, but that's okay. <laughs> um, no, we've got some good stuff here. I've, I already I have it brought up. I just it just won't come up. Hang on. Here we go. Um, finally. I want to spend some time with you. I'm going to call this uh, Throwback Tuesday because I know that's more of a Thursday thing for everybody. But I, I got to digging in my old backlist, and I've been reviewing books since 2008. So I have well over 2,000 reviews written that I've archived over the years. So you will probably get some occasionally from my backlist, and that's okay. I want to talk to you about a book that literally made me really think hard about my life and what I'm doing with it and how to, how to keep it better. This is called The Survivor's Club. The Secrets and Science That Can Save Your Life. This is by a guy named Ben Sherwood. This is not to be confused with another book on Bard called The Survivor Club. Ben Sherwood spells his last name S-H-E-R-W-O-O-D. And the order number, if you are eligible to borrow books from the National Library Service, is DB68508. Once again, DB68508. Um, obviously, we all... None of us get out of here alive, but it's always interesting to look at how there are ways, if they if they exist, that we could prolong our time here to some degree, especially if a disaster happens or some other um, thing that occurs. Um, this is not a book that teaches you how to become a prepper. I don't want you to misunderstand that. That's not what this does. It actually teaches you secrets that, will, that may help you survive a bad experience, a car crash, an airplane crash a heart attack, uh, any number of things. And it talks about how your life will change if you implement certain certain rules that the author suggests. Um, so he, the whole question this guy asks is, why do some people live and others die? Um, how do some people bounce back from some of the most difficult adversities they've ever had while others get cold clocked and just completely cave in and never re re uh, rebound uh, from those adversities? Uh, that's what the author looks at here. It answers those questions. He looks at what it takes to bounce back from difficult adversity to be resilient. And he, he looks at whether survivors are different from non-survivors other than that they live. And it appears that they actually are in some cases. Um, he looks at the mindset of a survivor. What does it take? And dissects that mindset. And it's fascinating. Um, the, the two questions he answers are, what does it take to survive? And what kind of survivor are you? What, what, do, you, what do you have going for you that will make you a survivor? Uh, it, this pulled me in immediately early, and it kept me reading to the back page, I promise. And it has, uh, it's a book I've never forgotten since I read it to almost 14 years ago now. It includes some rules of survival. Um, let me just share those super quick, and I don't want this to be a long, long review, but rule one, everyone is a survivor. Rule two, it's not all relevant, in other words, or relative. In other words, don't compare your adversity to the guy down the road who uh, everybody else in the world will say his is worse because he, I don't know, uh, uh, ran over his own leg or I don't whatever he did that's worse than, than what you're going through. If your adversity is taking up your time and your attention, then what what's happening down the road really isn't all that relevant to your particular status. Um, when it comes to adversity, it's human nature to make comparisons. We all do it. Well, I'm we in fact one of our favorite proverbs is well there, but for the grace of God go I. And we're all comparing adversities. Um, the those kind of questions don't lead anywhere though. They your own personal challenges are yours, and it's it's impossible to compare them to someone else's and say, oh, yeah, he's he's in worse shape than me. 
he may not be if your particular challenge is taking up a lot of your personal resources. Um, rule, three, rule three is you're stronger than you know. Um, the U.S. Air Force list, listed some numbers, and I just want to share those with you before I close the review. Um, the Air Force says, number one, you need to do whatever you can to protect your body core temperature. So the magic number 98.6 is crucial if you're going to survive certain things. The other magic number the Air Force insists on with its recruits is teaching them the rule of three. And I suspect most of you have heard this one. Um, the Air Force insists that the rule of three is you will survive three seconds without spirit and hope, three minutes without air, three hours without shelter in adverse circum extreme conditions, three days without water, three weeks without food, and three months without companionship or love. That's the Air Force's rule of three. Um, there's all kinds of survival secrets in here. Um, where might you think would be the, the, the best place to have a heart attack if you're going to have one? Anybody want to take a wild guess? The hospital. <laughs> okay, that's what you'd think. Actually, according to this author, a casino may be the best place <laughs> anywhere to have a heart attack because casinos tend to have lots and lots of defibrillators and they tend to have staff who really know how to use them. So uh, he actually points out statistically that a casino is uh, a safer place to have a heart attack than lots of other places you could be. Um, faith and the will to live are huge as well. Those who go to church regularly live seven years longer on average than those who do not. So that's an interesting perspective. So anyway, that's uh, The Survivor's Club by Ben Sherwood. Once again, DB68508. 5.49 p.m. Very, very good. I think I want to tell you about this book that I've been reading. It's called Whispers and Lies, and it's by Joy Fielding. And, yeah. and this book, this lady named Terry Painter is telling the story. It's the stories told from her point of view. She is a... A nurse in like a, I guess for a better name for it, you'd call it like a hospice hospital where all of the people that she takes care of are waiting for the end to come in some way or another. There's the youngest person on the ward had a an accident and is paralyzed and he's like a, a three or four year old, but he's really like in his 40s. And anyway, so her life has been pretty much calm. She goes to work, comes home, does what she's going to do. Well, she decides after her mom passed away, she moved into the, from the cottage that was behind her mother's house into the house that her mother lived in. And she decided she wanted to rent out the cottage. So she puts an ad up in the hospital and this lady named Allison Sims decides that that she wants to rent the cottage. So, and and for some reason, you know, Terry, she keeps getting these these weird little little inklings, like, well, maybe this girl seems too familiar with my house because she comes for dinner the first night and she accepts the the cottage before she even goes and looks at it, and and she seems a little too familiar with where things are in her house at dinner time when she goes to get seems to automatically know where the wine glasses are and things like that. And but you know she just she passes it off. And anyway, this goes on, and she becomes really good friends with Allison. But but deeper whenever she has doubts, she 
you know, she brushes him off. Allison convinces her that that she and she really enjoys her company and she's not alone and she has all this companionship. Well, anyway, Alice's brother comes along and that changes things. And she overhears them out with the windows open in the cottage one day talking and, and they, they're they planning something. And, and she thinks that it has something to do with her. And she keeps seeing other, I'm not doing a very good job with this, but she keeps seeing other other friends of Allison and her brother, and there's something going on, and she finally decides that she has to do something because she thinks that they're trying to make her crazy. But but it's uh, it's there's a lot more to it than that, you know. Joy Fielding, she can twist mm-hmm. and turn things, and mm-hmm. but it's a really good book. Sounds like Jenny, you got Natalie with her hand up. Okay. Oh, I wanted to just wanted to say something real good about that. It's a little off topic, but uh, I wanted to just say real quick that uh, gl- I'm glad that Nolan that you're back on oh, on the station, and uh, I'm uh, I know I uh, when I needed a friend a couple of times we talked we talked um, uh, when you were DJing, yep, and I just absolutely. wanted to say welcome back. Yeah. I I remember those times, and I'm I'm so grateful for your ongoing association. It means a lot to me. I knew when I saw that when he read that nine one six, I was hoping it was you. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you checked. Jerry, it. <laughs> All right. You bet. Thank you. Do we have time for one more? So if you want the numbers for this, oh yeah, uh, please go ahead. Uh, the braille is br one four seven one five, and the uh, audio is db five five. Three, five, four. And we should have time, Nolan. Yeah, I think we do. Yeah. I'll I'll not prolong this to the point where you're all getting sleepy. Um, (laughs) We haven't done any nonfiction tonight, and I think there are probably some listeners to the podcast and maybe even some folks connected to this call uh, who will occasionally pick up a nonfiction book. So I'm going to tip the hat to them a little bit. The one I want to talk to you about is, is a book I read earlier this week and absolutely loved it. It fascinated me. It's called Back in the Game, One Gunman, Countless Heroes, and the Fight for My Life. This is by Representative Steve Scalise, a Republican congressman from Louisiana, and Jeffrey E. Stern. The order number on this is DB93232. There is no Braille. DB93232, and Steve Scalise spells his last name S-C-A-L-I-S-E, for those of you who look it up by author. Um, You may recall that on June 14th of 2017, um, a bunch of Republican representatives went to a baseball field in Alexandria, Virginia, to practice for an upcoming game oh, yeah. against the Democrats. And um, they just gone to practice. And uh, someone stops one of the congressmen and says, excuse me, sir, who who is this on the field today? Is this the Republican team or the Democratic team? And the guy said, well, it's the Republicans. And the person who asked the question in a few minutes would quite literally open up in terms of guns and uh, just begin to uh, shoot like a, like crazy at these Republicans out there playing. Uh, Scalise, because he was the majority whip at the time, had a Capitol Police security detail with him. Had they not been there, it's entirely likely that all of those Republicans would have been killed. And some of you on the call are saying, yeah, that would be the best thing in the world, but probably <clears throat> not really because – it would so thoroughly disrupt the Congress. You wouldn't have quorums. You wouldn't have. It would have been a uh, a real jarring event for the country, regardless of, of your stand on, on things. 
this is Scalise's story. He was the one who was most badly injured uh, on that playing field that day. Um, the um, interesting part of this story is all the miracles that went into the fact that Scalise did not die. One of those miracles it came in the form of Representative Brad Wenstrup of Ohio, Republican Ohio, who in Iraq had seen a wound very similar to the one he saw that, that Steve Scalise had. In Iraq, Mr. Winstrup uh, lost his patient there, but he learned how to treat that kind of a wound so that he would never again lose another one. Because he had seen it in Iraq, he was able to diagnose it properly and accurately on that ball field and provide the tools that began to enable uh, Steve Scalise to, to stay alive. That's just one of the miracles that occurred. Um, the other was his security detail, which had he not gone, there wouldn't have been one on that field at all. And uh, they were able to eventually bring down the gunman. Uh, and, and the book goes into great detail about how they did it. This is edge of the seat, reads like a thriller, but it is nonfiction. Um, God gets a lot of credit here, in case some of you wonder. Um, Scalise's wife, Jennifer, gets a tremendous amount of credit because she did so much behind the scenes to keep the family together and deal with the media and all these other things. Uh, of course, Brad Wenstrup, Representative Wenstrup, gets a lot of credit for his knowledge and uh, and a whole host of doctors and uh, other folks uh, at, at various at the hospital where they took him. Um, it's just amazing how the consequences of things are. In other words, there just seems to be a whole list of tiny miracles that happened one after another that somehow prevented uh, Steve Scalise from dying. I think you'll be uplifted by his reinvigoration of faith as he describes what happened to him. Um, there were some spots that were a tiny bit slow. There was, there were a couple of flashbacks that I didn't know they need that needed to be there, but on no oh, incident or incidentally enough, this gunman was a, an avid Bernie Sanders supporter. So I don't know what that, uh, <laughs> but I, but um, I think you can, I think you can read that book, um, uh, irregardless of your political view. I think that right. you can read that. You're right. And the whole point is that a lot of Democrats came together and celebrated his life and they were in the house chamber cheering him when he was able to return using crutches. Again, that's, uh, that's um, back in the game, One Gunman, Countless Heroes, and The Fight for My Life by Steve Scalise, Jeffrey E. Stern, DB93232. And I know we're out of time. I apologize for going over. Oh, you're, you're stupid. We have not quite five yet. You're good. Right. Exactly. <laughs> no problem. And thank you, Nolan. And Perry, drop me a copy of the file, if you would, please, because I know you I record so. it because we need backups today. So we thank everybody for everything. Remember the anniversary party? I know our computer was down a few minutes ago on the Monday, the 18th, for the non-Zoom users that usually listen to us, 1 o'clock Eastern, 12 o'clock Central, and a free laptop we're giving away completely and, loaded. And thank you very much to our wonderful Take care, everyone. Thank you, guys. Bye, all. Thank, Have a good bye, week. Bye. All right, bye, bye, everyone. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs>